preaching on, but I felt led to continue on with the series uh, Praise is a Weapon and dealing with the holiness of the believer. So, reading from God's Word. First Peter chapter 1, verses uh, 14 through 16. As obedient children and conforming yourselves to the for- not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance but as he who has called you is holy you also be holy in your con- all your conduct because it is written be holy for I am holy Hebrews chapter 12 uh, verse 14 pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And finally, Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. Father, as we uh, uh, talk again about uh, the holiness of the believer, Lord, you are holy, and uh, your uh, word makes that plain. And you have called us to be a holy people, too that we are to be pure and righteous even as you are pure and righteous. So, Lord, help us to think and meditate on this and examine our lives and see if there are places that we are coming short in this. As we look into the Sermon on the Mount, Lord, I pray that it might uh, penetrate our hearts. And uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, we've been talking, looking at the weapons of God, which we may defeat the enemy in spiritual battle. How many of you know we're in a spiritual battle every day of our lives? If you're not in a battle, maybe it's because you're not fighting and you need to be fighting against evil and against the forces of darkness. That's just a part of this life. So, in our messages, we have been looking at uh, uh, praise as a weapon. And these weapons allow us to defeat the enemy in our lives, as we are told in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Okay? The enemy tries to build up these strongholds in our lives. And if we submit to to him and don't take a stand against him that's how he builds these strongholds up the weapons that we looked at uh, in the past are such things as the word of god prayer in the spirit fasting the name of jesus the blood of the lamb the word of our testimony and the very final one that we've been looking at is praise and the theme verse that i've been using for that is psalm 149 verse 6 Let the high praises be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. 
We've seen that there's two kinds of praise. Number one is thanksgiving, where we thank God for what He has done, for what He is doing, and for what He will do in our lives. And then the second kind of praise is what I term adoration. And this is where we praise God for who and what He is. And to do this, I've been going through uh, what are called the attributes of God. Uh, These include, but they're not restricted to, uh, His love says that God is love. His holiness says that God is holy. Also, His justice, God is just. He is truthfulness. His word is true. Uh, He is eternal. So, His eternity. And then what I term the omni uh, attributes. Omni meaning all. Omnipresence, that He is all present. He's present here this morning. Uh, His omnipotence. He is all powerful. And His omniscience. He is all knowing. And we'll look at all of these later in a, uh, in a later uh, message. So I began several Sundays ago with looking at that second attribute, which is the holiness of God. And I looked at one particular scripture, which we won't uh, take the time to read, but you find it in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In this is the description that... Uh, Isaiah had in a vision where he saw the throne room of God. He was anxious about, you know, the events that were transpiring in his country, the nation of Judah at the time. One of the king, the good kings had died and it was, you know, typical back in those days that Judah would get a good king who would put the Lord first. And then they would get a bad king who would worship other gods. And so Isaiah was anxious about that. And so as he prayed and uh, sought God about that, God gave him a vision of the throne room of God. And he could see that it didn't matter which king, what kind of king they had. The key was that God was still on the throne. But in his vision... He saw God sitting on the throne and he saw seraphim, a seraphim or a type of angel that were circling round about the, uh, the throne. And they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So the thing that God was trying to emphasize to Isaiah at this point is God is not only on the throne, but he is holy. Upon seeing the holiness of God in all his purity, Isaiah fell to his knees and became acutely aware of his sinfulness. He says, woe is me. Uh, I'm a man of unclean lips. That is out from, you know, his lips were, uh, you know, as it is with us. You know, we spread sin around through our lips. You know, how many sins develop because of the words of our lips? I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a uh, people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the, the Lord of hosts, you know. So he thought he was going to be struck dead. But instead, one of the seraphim took a coal from the altar and pressed it to his lips. And he says, uh, this has purged your sin. And that's 
It's necessary for all of us, too. We all need to be purged of our sin. We cannot do it. He has to purge our sin for us. And it, it, you know, we are purged of our sin when we recognize that Jesus has taken care of our sin Amen. Yes. when he perished on the cross. We need to be purged of our sin in order to approach God. Also, we looked at uh, what does holy mean. You know, usually we think of holy, holiness as meaning purity or sinlessness. But that's only part of the meaning. Holy in the New Testament is the Greek word hagios, which means to be set apart. So when we say that God is holy as his attribute, we mean that he is set apart or holy other completely other than his creation, which is defiled by sin. Romans chapter 8 verse 22 says that the whole world groans in anticipation when the Lord will come back and set everything right. Sorry, I'm a slide behind here. Okay, what does this mean for us? It means that we too are to be holy. That is... Not only are we to lead holy and pure lives, but we are also to separate ourselves from the lust expressed by the world. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to completely leave the world. You know, we've got to go out into the world and earn a living. Amen? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> also, if we completely left this world and separated ourselves, kind of like what the Amish do, you know, who is going to tell other people about Jesus? So it doesn't mean you completely separate yourself physically from the world, you know, because somebody has to go out there and preach the Great Commission. Amen? It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. But what it means is that you separate yourself from the world in terms of its way of thinking. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 tells us, Do not be conformed to this world. Literally, do not allow the world to squeeze you into its mold. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to learn, be in the Word of God. That's how you renew your mind. You need to learn to think God thoughts and not worldly thoughts. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorant, ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. He went on ahead later on in that first epistle, in chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. I talked about these, you know, when I was talking about the return of the gods. We saw that these fleshly lusts that the world engage, is engaged in are energized by the forces of darkness. 
and are seeking to turn us away from God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse, verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And since God's creation is defiled by this sinfulness, God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, Therefore come out from among you, that is the people of the world, with their worldly way of thinking, and be separate. Now, some further thoughts on the holiness for the believer. First of all, failure to leave the world and its defilement, that, again, that's talking about the worldly way of thinking, will result, result in our judgment with it as related in Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. God is going to judge this world. You read about that in Revelation chapter 18, and this is very specific, verse 4. Second of all, as Christians, God expects us to live a holy lifestyle. That is not that not only includes abstaining from those worldly lusts that he talked about earlier, as spoken by Peter, but also there are positive aspects of uh, holy living as well. So you not only have the don'ts, but you have the do's as, as well. And number three, it's impossible for unregenerate people, that is people that do not know the Lord, to be able to live this sort of lifestyle. The demands are placed upon them that they cannot follow. Only by Jesus living in our hearts are the ways that we can follow this holy lifestyle. Jesus will dwell inside of us if we ask him in. He dwells inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he empowers us to live this holy lifestyle. Now where I left off last time was I was talking about the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you remember? What's the Sermon on the Mount? The Sermon on the Mount is preached by Jesus. You find that in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And if you're not familiar with it, I would suggest that you get familiar with it. How many of you read that, uh, the Sermon on the Mount before? Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. You know, because that is a blueprint for this holy living that I'm talking about. In my opinion, the Sermon on the Mount is the greatest moral treatise ever spoken by man in this world. And it was uttered by who? None other than the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you talk about reading the red and praying for the power. You know, uh, uh, Larry Lee, who used to, you know, uh, teach a lot on prayer, he talked about reading the red. What's reading the red? The red is the red part of the Bible. The red yep, the red letters in there. 
Those are the words that Jesus, not everybody's got a red letter, you know, Bible, but if you got it, those are the words that are spoken by Jesus. And the entire Sermon on the Mount is all red letters. Jesus preached that Sermon on the Mount. Now, far from being the generalities expressed by Peter and the writer of the book of Hebrews, the Sermon on the Mount gets down into the specifics about leading a holy life. Now, the first thing I'm going to say about the Sermon on the Mount, and I told you this a few weeks ago, is the Sermon on the Mount is not for everyone. It says in, uh, uh, right, starting right there in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, And seeing the multitudes, he, that is Jesus, went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and then he gave that great treatise, moral treatise, the Sermon on the Mount. So who was Jesus talking to here? Was he talking to the multitudes? You know, people usually think he was talking to the multitudes. But the wording in these verses seemed to indicate that he was only speaking to his disciples. The multitudes, you know, that is, whoever was within earshot uh, of him, were just eavesdropping. Because, and because it's not for everyone, the Sermon on the Mount is not for everyone, it doesn't apply to other one, everyone. Because you cannot possibly follow the Sermon on the Mount apart from Jesus. So... The bottom line there is don't go around clubbing people over the head uh, that are in the world, uh, you know, with the, the precepts that are contained in the Sermon on the Mount. Because they can't follow it, and they'll probably think it is foolishness, too. You know what the, the, the Word says about the people in the world? It says in uh, 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 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says the natural man, the natural man is the people in the world. It also refers to your carnal nature, too. You can be a Christian, and you still have that carnal nature. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned means spiritually appropriated. If you don't have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, you cannot really understand the things of God. How many people say that? Oh, I read the Bible, but I don't understand what it says. You know why? They don't, they're not a Christian. They don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And the Holy Spirit will teach you exactly yes. what the Bible means. So if you're having trouble understanding the Bible, get saved. Get the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you, and then it will all make sense. It will all come together for you. Okay? So who is it for? Well, the next two verses are the first two of what they call the Beatitudes. Blessed are, and then it, uh, it tells you uh, the, uh, these different things about people. Okay? I mentioned uh, last time, I, I, I said it, it's the be attitudes, not the do attitudes. Because you have to be first 
You know, these things that they talk about. And then you will do. Because what you are, what you do is a natural outgrowth of what you are. Okay? So, you know, these are the things that tell you what you are to be. Okay? What does the first beatitude say? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, there's a reality check. And that is we are all poor in spirit. That is spiritually poor. We can't make it on our own, brothers and sisters. We've got to have God do just like with Isaiah. Cleanse us of our sin. The problem is so many people don't realize that. They think they're going to get into heaven because of their good works. Well, guess what? None of your good works are good enough to get you in heaven. It's not your righteousness that uh, counts before God. Remember, I've told you before. It says in Isaiah 64, verse 6, All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. None of the things that we do really will help us to get into heaven. We have to submit ourselves to the righteousness of Jesus Christ by faith. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, <clears throat> so the first step is to uh, recognize that you are, in fact, spiritually poor. The words of the uh, tax collector. You know, remember the parable I've told you about many times about the uh, two men went up to the temple to pray. One of them's the Pharisee and then he just lists all of these things that make him righteous and uh, then the tax collector doesn't say anything because he knew he was a sinner. And he just beat on his breast and he said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man, the tax collector, went down forgiven, but not the Pharisee. Because the Pharisee sought to justify himself in front of God instead of submitting himself to the righteousness of God. So... Being poor in spirit means you recognize you are spiritually poor. God, I cannot do it alone. I've got to have your help. I can't purge my sin by myself. You have to do it. And he has done it through what we're going to be celebrating a little bit later on here. The uh, partaking of communion. Second Beatitude says... Blessed are they who mourn, those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So who are the people that mourn? Well, in the context of the passage, Jesus had just about, spoken about uh, those that had realized that they were spiritually poor. <clears throat> and, uh, and so the second beatitude just follows right along with that. That is, it's speaking about people that mourn. You know, we mourn for a lot of things. We mourn right now. Uh, in fact, we're going to be praying about this. Trent lost his beloved dog, and uh, so that's why he's not here. He went out to uh, bury the dog. You know, he's mourning right now, but that's not what this is talking about. You know, mourning, you know, uh, natural disasters and things like that. It's talking about those who mourn and are genuinely sorry for their sins. 
what we talked about last week, godly sorrow. Godly sorrow that leads to repentance. So the first beatitude involves faith. Believing God that he, recognizing that you're spiritually poor and trusting in him for the sin sacrifice that he provided for by dying on the cross for our sins. The second beatitude deals with repentance and repentance just naturally follows the faith towards God. Now, some final thoughts before I go into a few specifics. You know, uh, I would love to do a series on the Sermon on the Mount sometime. During my first year of Bible college, uh, uh, I often went to uh, Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa and listened to that great Bible teacher, Chuck Smith, who founded the, the Calvary Chapels. And when I was there, he was doing this very thing. He was going through an in-depth study on the Sermon on the Mount. So, you know, that's in my thoughts about maybe doing that here sometime. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to go into a few specific passages in the Sermon on the Mount in the short time I've got left here, in uh, just a few minutes. But I want to give you some final thoughts on the Sermon on the Mount. There are some so-called Christian groups that think we are saved by our works. So in essence, they are substituting New Testament law for the, that is, the, the law referring to the rules and regulations. In the Old Testament, they are substituting New Testament rules and regulations for the Old Testament law, uh, rules and regulations. And this is a fatal mistake, brothers and sisters. That may lead to eternal damnation because such a person who believes it will not come to Christ for salvation. If you think you can make it in on your own, like that Pharisee in that parable I was mentioning. But uh, they think that, that uh, they don't need to come to Jesus, but they trust in himself or herself uh, to, alone to procure it. They're on dangerous, very dangerous ground. New Testament law, per se, did you know that that's probably a thousand times harder to follow than Old Testament law? Now, why do I say that? It's because Old Testament law, for the most part, dealt with the outward actions of a person. But the New Testament law, as seen, and we're going to see this in a few minutes, it deals with the thoughts and the attitudes, inward thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the dictates of the Sermon on the Mount are virtually impossible to keep, which should drive us to Christ. I'll say that again. When we can't follow these dictates in the Sermon on the Mount, that should show us that we can't make it on our own and it should drive us to Christ. And it gives us an ideal to follow. And when we don't, we go to Christ and the cross in repentance for our cleansing. Now, think about this for a minute. The Sermon on the Mount is an ideal. You know, we, we're, we were just celebrating the 4th of July. What did, what did uh, they write into the uh, Declaration of Independence? 
We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and are endowed with, by their creator with some, certain unalienable rights, including life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That was an ideal. Some people say, well, you know, if all men were created equal, and that's what the writers of the Declaration believed, how come we still had slavery? You know, slavery didn't end until, you know, as uh, uh, President Lincoln so you know, eloquently said it, you know, four score and seven years ago, 87 years ago. You know, that's when the Declaration of Independence. It was 87 years later, and we still had slavery. You know, the United States is the only country that's ever fought a war to end slavery. Do you realize that? The United States alone. And we ended slavery, but what happened? We still had Jim Crow laws and segregation and all of those other despicable practices that they had. So it took another hundred years in order for that all men are created equal, that ideal to really be realized. So it is the same thing with the Sermon on the Mount. This is our ideal. It gives us a target to shoot for. You know one of the uh, words for sin is hamartano in the Greek? You know what it means? It means you missed the mark. Okay? So the Sermon on the Mount is our target. And we're going to miss it. And that's why you go to the Lord in prayer and uh, say, uh, God, I really blew it this time. You know, I want you to forgive me. And I turn away from that. That's what we're to do. Okay. So, just quickly, I want to share with you four passages in the Sermon on the Mount. And these show us how impossible it is to follow the details, and that's why we need Jesus and His forgiveness. And it gives us a guideline for what I've been talking about here, holy living. Okay, Jesus said in verse 21 of uh, Matthew chapter 5, You have heard that it was said of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, that's a, about as high an insult back in their culture as you could say, Raka shall be in danger of the, the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Now, notice in that first verse that Jesus says, angry without a cause. That is, you can be angry with a cause. We would call it maybe righteous indignation. Was Jesus, when he tossed the money changers out of the temple, was he angry? Yes. He was very angry because he saw that through these money changers and the ones that were selling animals there in the courtyard of the temple, they were ripping people off who wanted to offer sacrifices to the Lord. And I've talked about that before, exactly what they were doing. Jesus was angry, but he didn't sin because he was sinless, right? He was angry with a cause. You should be angry when you see people oppressed 
and downtrodden. And that's happening in this world right now. Amen? So you're righteous to get angry about those things. Now the last sentences, two sentences, show that God takes a dim view when we curse out our fellow human beings. James wrote in James chapter 3 verse 9, With the tongue we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Okay? Uh, now, you know where it says, you fool, you see that? You know, that word for fool is interesting. You know what it is in the Greek? It's uh, uh, moros. Guess what, what word we get from that? Moron. You say, oh man, you mean I can't call someone a moron anymore? <laughs> That's exactly what it says there. And hey, I'm guilty of it too. You know, I'm, I'm out there driving with uh, Mr. David and uh, Brian going to our travels to see the sights. And somebody on the road did something I like. And I said, you idiot. Sorry, Lord, you know. <laughs> I repent, you know. Okay. So anyway, moving right along. Uh, the next verse. By the way, you know, before I go to the next slide here, uh, James wrote that, and J that uh, I didn't have enough room on this slide to put the reference. That's James three nine. If you're interested, and in the very next verse, you know, uh, James says, "Brothers, it ought not to be. You know, we ought not to be blessing God with our tongue and then cursing our fellow man with the same tongue. It ought not to be." Okay, next uh, scripture. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 30, 43 through and 44, He said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, what? Love, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those that hate you. And pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Now this passage is uh, closely related to but slightly different than the first. You know, John gets more specific about things. He writes in uh, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. You hate somebody, you're murdering them in your heart. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? A murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So I've told you this before, brothers and sisters. You take that word hate and you remove it from your vocabulary insofar as your fellow human beings are concerned. And I've done it before. I've said, I hate so-and-so. Don't do that, brothers and sisters. Take that word and remove it when you deal with your fellow human beings. Now, you do need to hate things. You need to hate sin. Amen? Yes. Hate sin. And you hate the devil and his angels. 
Those are the things that you hate in this life. But you're not to hate any fellow human beings. And this is why the people in the world cannot follow the dictates here in the Sermon on the Mount. It's impossible for them to do what Jesus just told them, to love their enemies. But it is possible for the Christian to do that. Jesus didn't hate the people that were crucifying him, right? What did he do on the cross? He forgave them. And you can't just say, well, that's the Son of God, because St. Stephen did the same thing, too, when he was getting stoned. You read about that at the end of uh, uh, Acts chapter 7. He said that as he was dying, just before the Lord received him up into heaven as the, his first martyr, he said, Lord, do not lay this sin to their charge. He forgave his, the people that were killing him. He didn't hate them. He cared enough about them to pray that God would forgive them too. Okay, so the Christian can do it. And how do you do it? How do you love your enemy? I think that last sentence there gives the key. He said, pray for those who despite, spitefully use you and persecute you. If you pray for those that are troubling you then God will give you his love for them because God loves everybody every human being that is walking this earth regardless of how bad they are God still loves them he loves Vladimir Putin right you think that he even loved Hitler and Osama bin Laden and so you pray for those people, and God will give you his love for them. Okay, next passage. We're winding down here. You have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. This is Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. You have heard it, that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And perhaps no other passage in Scripture on the Sermon on the Mount is more specifically in showing that it's not just the outward act that God is concerned with, it's the inward thought and the inward attitude of the uh, mind that gives rise to the, the, that particular act. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verses 19, and the first part of uh, verse 20, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. I told you before, that's where the battle is fought, right up in here, the mind. Out of the heart, the heart gives rise to the evil thoughts, and these evil thoughts include murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, and false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man. Now, these would also come under the jurisdiction of the Tenth Commandment. Who knows what the Tenth Commandment is? Last commandment in the Ten Commandments. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you know, his ox, his ass, 
you know, his house or anything like that, you know, what's covet mean? It means you want it for yourself. Right? And that's one of the exceptions, I think, of uh, uh, the Old Testament law actually dealing with what's going on in your mind. Now, using that last thought there as a springboard, here is, you know, the fourth and final passage I wanted to share with you uh, this morning. And that's Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus said, No man can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. See, it's talking about what's going on in your mind, right? Or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And it, Jesus comes to what he means here. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, the context of that, if you read uh, there, the last part of uh, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus had just finished admonishing his lis listeners about laying for oneself treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth. And Jesus showed, uh, because you lay for treasures uh, up in heaven, they're eternal. If you try to lay up treasures for yourself, it's for the, uh, in this life, it's in this life alone. And he will conclude with chapter 6, verse 33. Who knows what chapter 6, verse 33? It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all, all of these material things you're designing will be added to you. Amen. The ones that you need, not the ones that you want. You know, you say, well, I want a million dollars. Well, it doesn't work that way. Dang. You know, thank God we don't have a million dollars because we probably wouldn't know what to do with it if we did have it. Amen? How many of you know uh, what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. He said, my God shall supply all of your Money. wants. Right? No. All of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Okay? The Apostle Paul wrote in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, Therefore put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, Passion, see, it's getting specific about, uh, uh, you know, living a holy life right there. Passion, uh, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You covet something, you're making an idol. Just as much as though the people back in those cultures bowed down to idols, you've made money and, and uh, your inordinate desires an idol in your life. Jesus said also in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, context of this was uh, Jesus was up there uh, preaching one day, and this guy comes up to him and says, uh, uh, you know, Master, tell my brother to divide up the inheritance with me. And Jesus said, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator between you? And then he makes this statement, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. 
And then Jesus proceeded to tell the story of the rich man. The rich man, you know, he owns a lot of uh, land, property, and one uh, year, you know, he had an abundance of uh, crop, and he says, well, what am I going to do with uh, this abundance that I had? He says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns so that I, I can store all of this, these goods up, and I'll say, just kick back and say, you know, so you know, say to my soul, you know, you've got, you've got uh, much possessions now. Just kick back, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, you know. So he didn't say anything about you know feeding the poor with his abundance. And what did Jesus said? God, he said, God said to him, "You fool." This night, this very night, your soul shall be required of you. And then who's going to get those abundant possessions? You know, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe then the poor would get uh, fed by the... But anyway, God does not want us to be enamored with physical possessions in this life. Instead, try to, Jesus concluded, so is everyone that is rich on earth, but not rich towards God. Okay, I'm going to give some concluding thoughts, and then I'm done, and then we'll partake of the elements. Okay, summarizing here. God demands holiness in our lives, just as He is a holy and pure and righteous being. He expects us to be the same way. It's not an option. Holy living is not an option if you are a Christian. Second thing is the Sermon on the Mount gets down to the nitty, what I would call the nitty gritty. You know, of how, what, how He expects us to live. Instead of the generalities of saying we need to live a holy life, he gets down, Jesus gets down to the specifics. Number three is we cannot in the natural live that kind of life, but it gives us an ideal to shoot for. And when we fail to live up to its standards, we need to go to the Lord in prayer for forgiveness and ask him to put us on the right track. Finally, because others cannot live up to its standards in the natural, you can only do it in the supernatural, as energized by the Holy Spirit, we should not expect them to unless they have Jesus living in their lives. But we are to love them anyway and pray for them, especially those that do wrong. You know, I told you the story, I think, uh, the last time about... Uh, a friend of mine, I was working for an industrial company at the time. His name was Lee. And Lee knew that I was a Christian. And he was always trying to needle me, get me to tell him how uh, sinful he was. And he came to this part where Jesus talked about, uh, you know, l uh, looking upon a woman to lust after. He says, well, I might as well uh, uh, just do it then if it's the same sin if I just imagine it. And you see, he's a natural man. I, I can't hold him to the same standards I hold me. You know, I wish I'd told him that back then, you know. But how many, how many times does that happen, you know? You think, well, why didn't I say that, you know? <laughs> a beautiful witness. But anyway, 
So we can't expect the people in the world to follow the standards that we have. We can't expect them to follow the Sermon on the Mount, so don't club them over the head with it. Okay, so without further ado, let's go and head into the communion meditation. Every time I stand up before you here, uh, I always tell you that there's a twofold purpose in partaking of communion. Number one, it is a time to remember the Lord's death on behalf of our sins. So with both the bread and the cup, the Lord said, do this in remembrance of me. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 25, And the Lord Jesus, on the same night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And then Paul later added in uh, verse 26, For as often as you eat uh, this bread and drink this cu- uh, cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. And number two, the reason why we take of communion, it's a time to closely examine our lives. You know, to see if there is sin. We've got sin in our lives. And to see how committed we really are. And if we fall short in either, to make new commitments to Him. Paul wrote in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 31 and 32, For if we judge ourselves, when we're examining ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. So the thing to ponder this morning, brothers and sisters, how is your holiness? We've been talking about the holiness of the believer. Are you becoming more and more holy every day? Are you growing more and more in your hatred of sin and less satisfied with allowing it to remain in your life? And if you feel like you're falling short in either of these uh, areas, you know, falling short of holiness in your life, now is the time to examine yourself and make it right with God. You, re- you know, I would encourage you, brothers and sisters, read the Sermon on the Mount. If you've never read it before, read it now and use it as a guideline for your life. So with that, uh, I'd like for the uh, uh, Freddie and for uh, Sarah to come forward now to distribute the elements. And we're going to play a concluding song here. Here I am to worship. You know, this song is the epitome of adoration, which is what we're talking about. Okay? Go ahead and cue that up, uh, if you would, uh, <clears throat> Susie. This is Hillsong 
in a concert that they had. We're a small church, but look at how many. There's, there's probably thousands of people there. Let's worship him now.
You know what I shared that song with you, brothers and sisters? Yeah. Sorry, I left my eyeballs there. <laughs> you know what I shared that uh, song with you, brothers and sisters? There's that line in there that they were singing at the end. I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. You know, I, I, when I play these songs, brothers and sisters, I always carefully screen the words to make sure that they're in, you know, uh, <clears throat> in line with what the Bible says. And so I, I thought about that long and hard about that line. And it's true, brothers and sisters, because our minds are finite. Right. We don't really realize what an offense our sins are to the holy and righteous God. And we need to take it seriously, brothers and sisters. I wanted to share one final scripture with you. And uh, I mean, this is an eye opener, uh, believe me. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 29. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. You know, the, the, what the, the sin that uh, the writer of Hebrews was talking about was unbelief. That is... He's talking to Christians that were, uh, had received the Lord, you know, Hebrew Christians, and they were starting to lapse back into the old covenant again. And he's talking about unbelief. But it's, it's got a wider application too, you know. If you sin willfully, then what you're doing is you're searing your own conscience. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment, suppose you, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant with which he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Strong words, brothers and sisters. Never treat the blood of Jesus Christ like it's some kind of uncommon thing. It cost the very life of the Son of God for us. And we should bow before Him in worship and thanksgiving for what He has done for us. And because it cost Him His very life, it's something we should uh, really take seriously. Amen. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on, in this, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we come before you and we thank you for what this bread represents, Lord. It represents your very body which you allowed to be opened up by the cat of nine tails, Lord, in your back, your brow pierced by the crown of thorns, and then he led you out to Calvary, Lord, pierced your hands and your feet, and then later on, your side, Lord. And as a sign that you had truly expired physically, Lord, when they stabbed your side, Lord, with that spear, blood and water poured out, signifying that the, the plasma had separated from, from the red corpuscles, Lord. Lord, you died physically for us. Thank you for this. Thank you for the price you paid, Lord. Everybody take of the bread now. Verse 25 of First uh, Corinthians chapter 11. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we hold up to you the cup which contains the juice which represents the blood of the covenant, Lord, that was shed for the remission of sins. And Lord, as we partake of it, Lord, help us to remember what your apostle John wrote in 1 John 1, 7, that if we would walk in the light as you are in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, keeps on cleansing us from every sin. Thank you, Lord God, that it does cleanse us from every sin. Everybody partake now. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Jesus is coming, amen? How many of you ready? How many of you are looking forward to it? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you that even though in our finite minds we cannot understand how much it truly costs to see our sins upon that cross. Lord, we thank you for what it means. And you understand it far better than we do, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would communicate to us each and every day, Lord. And help us learn to learn to abhor sin, to hate sin as much as you do. Lord, it's like that vision that I've shared before that uh, a man have of 
seeing you carrying in this vision a cross up a road. And the man who saw this said, uh, Lord, are you bearing on your back the sins of the world? And you replied, no, I'm only carrying yours, Lord. Our sins are such a burden to you. And so, Lord, help us to lighten that load and seek to live a holy life, even as we've been uh, talking about today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. As I mentioned before, Trent lost his dog this morning, so he called me up and told me that he uh, was going to take take her out and bury her. So you can imagine the sense of uh, loss he must feel. He said that she was 14 years old, so I don't know if he's had her the the whole time, but it's a great feeling of loss, you know. A lot of us have pets, and they mean a lot to us. That's why Dolly doesn't even want me to get a pet, because she would said and talked about how much, how broken up she would be, you know, when the uh, when when she lose the pet. So, okay, other prayer requests. Remember Teresa Maxell, Mr. David's uh, mother who has congestive heart failure. Pray for healing there. Pray for Mr. David too. I think he said he was going to be flying back to Thailand on the 9th, so uh, a week from today. It's a long journey. And by the way, uh, Mr. David and uh, Brian had a lot of problems uh, just flying back to Pennsylvania. You know, because I think uh, most of us have probably heard about all the travel hassles that people have had. Okay, so Mr. David, uh, for uh, uh, traveling mercies, um, pray for uh, Laura. That God would uh, keep her cancer free. Yes. Larry. I agree with you. Larson. Mm-hmm. Bob McClay. This past week he um, had an infection develop in that foot that was operated on about three weeks ago. So they, he had to go back to the hospital, spend a night in the hospital while they uh, gave him uh, antibiotics uh, through IV. Pray for healing. You know, it's been three weeks since the operation, and they gave him that contraption to wear on his foot that looks up absolutely terrible. Don't envy him at all. And they, they have to adjust the screws on it. And, uh, you know, it's uh, so much pain, you know, that his uh, wife, uh, my second cousin Renee, would have to uh, do that. And she said she would cry during when she would uh, do the tightening and loosening and then cry afterwards because he would 
be in so much pain. So God, pray for him to the pain to lessen too. Um, other prayer requests? Yes. Amen. Your brothers and sisters. Okay. Okay. Good prayer request. Yes. Amen. Yes, Marlena. I'm praying for. Lane and I were going to go to Las Vegas and be with our son this weekend or this week and just travel in mercies. But I also pray for all of us here, all, all of the members of the church, for revelation and discernment and to dwell within that power that God has given us, you know, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. Mm-hmm. And I'll make decisions. I pray for all of us here. You too, Pastor. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, we all need to be spending time in the Word. Because many times God speaks to us directly through, through the Word. And that we stay but united. That, but, yeah, we stay united. Okay. Uh, we also need to learn to get quiet before the Lord. Amen. If we want these dreams and revelations, you know, yes. visions, you know. And I fully believe that God deals with us the same way that he dealt with people back in Bible times, too. You know, some people don't believe that. But I never read where it said that God was had stopped talking to us directly. Right. Many times we have the go-between in his word, but I believe fully that he can... He can speak. He's spoken to me yes. a number of times, you know, through uh, uh, dreams. It says that your young men will uh, see visions and uh, old men see dream uh, dream dreams. So, you know, I guess I'm an old man now because he 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 hasn't been giving me too many visions <laughs> recently. <laughs> okay. Uh, other prayer requests? Okay, Pastor Sandra. Uh, I'm glad to see that Pastor Sandra is doing preaching. Hallelujah. Give God a clap offering for that. After she had that terrible fall, it scrambled her brain. She couldn't uh, uh, preach for a long time, but she's back to doing that. And uh, she's attending the Assemblies of God Church in Hurricane, and they've made her an associate pastor. So that's an answer to prayer because we've been praying that God would uh, take her and use her in ministry again. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so... and. Pray for her. You know, she's still in a lot of pain. She's had a lot of injuries due to work, you know, in uh, times past. And, um, and I just, uh, I, we pray all the time that uh, she will be less dependent on pain medication. Hallelujah. Okay, Pastor Sandra. Uh, uh, huh? Okay, Trevi and... Uh, okay. Was Pam here today? Yeah. 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 She's gone. Okay. I thought I saw her back there. Okay, Pam. And, uh, okay. Cheryl. Cheryl. 
Cheryl is uh, uh, caring for her uh, uh, father who is sick. So pray for him. He'll get uh, uh, salvation before he passes on. Don't know how old he is, but he's getting probably pretty close to departing from this life. Sean. Pray for Sean and Grace. Um, did you say something, uh, Lane? Oh, I, I said he had le leukemia. Cheryl's Cheryl, father. Father. Okay. And and you know that's that's a rough deal, but her being a caregiver mm -hmm. is is not an easy task. Okay. Other prayer request? Donna, I'm going to say a prayer request. She's going back. Who? Donna? Tell her not to go back to Phoenix. They said on the weather report it's going to be 115 there. So. Okay. Pray for Donna. Okay, so she needs traveling mercies too. Okay, for rain. Okay, pray for Michael too. How are you feeling, Michael? Pretty good. Michael has back problems and uh, problems in his hips. Okay, other prayer requests? John. John and in uh, Pranam. They knit all three of those people need, as far as I know, they need uh, salvation. Pray for uh, Dolly, too, that uh, God will give her, uh, she stays in contact, close contact with uh, uh, her older se uh, sister, Nit, so pray that uh, God would give uh, Dolly words to speak to her older sister about uh, Jesus. Yes. Amen. Okay. Um, other prayer requests? Anybody? For my two, two friends that has a very poor and have a bad situation, Ma'am McDonald. Okay, ma'am. And? Rome Dow. Okay, we got to pray for the nations. Pray for the U.S. Because I think we've lost a lot in this nation. Our patriotism. And I can't think of any nation I would rather live in than the United States of America. We're not perfect here, but I'll tell you, you travel abroad and you see the way things, situations are in the other nations. We just don't appreciate it, brothers and sisters. Pray that this nation will return to its 
Christian underpinnings because we are rapidly leaving those behind. There's so much sin. So pray for the U.S. We also pray for Israel. Iran. Ukraine. Thailand. Burma. Okay, and there's many, many other uh, nations. Okay, pray for uh, any any other prayer requests before we mention our family and friends. Pray for our family and friends and unspoken. Everybody raise your hand if you've got an unspoken request. All right, you've got two of them. Gwen, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You expect God to meet those needs, you've got to raise that hand up high. Say, Lord, this is beyond my control. I need you to intervene. Hallelujah. Okay, any other prayer requests before we go to prayer? Okay, let's go on ahead. Uh, Father, we praise and thank you for your exceeding precious promises, Lord, there in Philippians 4, that we're not to be worried about anything, but in in all things, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make our requests be known to you. And you've promised to then give us the peace of God that passes all understanding, and it will rule over our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, we don't need to worry about it. We go to the Lord and to you in prayer and uh, let you worry about it. And that you promise to supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, we claim those promises right now. We pray, first of all, for Trent, Brother Trent. Lord, we miss him here today. And, Lord, do we pray for the extreme sorrow that he must feel after losing his dog, Lord. And uh, I pray in Jesus' name that you just uh, uh, bring your comfort to him, Lord God. And, uh, Lord, we all suffer loss throughout this life. But, Lord God, we can... uh, rely upon you to give give us comfort. Lord, I also pray for Teresa Maxell with this uh, congestive heart failure that she has. Lord, I pray for healing for her body. And also, Lord God, that uh, you would uh, uh, allow her body not to react adversely to all the medications that she's uh, taking because I know that they've caused a lot of problems in times past. Be with uh, her son, Mr. David, as he flies back to Thailand to resume his duties as principal there at uh, Bangkok Christian International School. (coughs) Lord, we thank you for (coughs) bringing him here last week, Lord, so that we could hear about what you're doing there at the International School. And to pray for, Lord, the Chinese students that are undergoing horrible persecution persecution, Lord God, in their home country, Lord, and uh, uh, you bring them there to the international school so that they can get a Christian education. Bless him in his ministry, Lord. Pray for Sister Laura. Lord, uh, we thank you that she had uh, successful chemo and uh, uh, operation, Lord, surgery uh, to remove the uh, 
cancer that she had. And Lord, I pray that you'd keep her cancer free. Pray for Larry Larson. Lord, help him to adjust to having his prostate gland removed. And also for his knees too, Lord, uh, bring healing to those. Pray a special prayer for Bob McClay. Lord, uh, he's had this operation on his foot. Pray that it would be uh, proved to be a successful operation. We come against any uh, infection that would be troubling him, that uh, more drastic things will not have to be done. And uh, Lord, we pray for a lessening of his pain. And uh, uh, Lord, also be with his wife, uh, Renee, as she cares for him. And uh, pray that you'd be with them. Uh, Lord, you love them very much because they, uh, they also love you very much. And uh, uh, be with them. Pray for Sister uh, Gwen's prayer request about her brothers and sisters coming back to church again. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would just guide and direct them. Uh, Lord, uh, at uh, whatever church you would direct them to. Uh, Pray for uh, Larry and Marlena. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give them traveling mercies as they uh, travel travel there to Las Vegas to be with their relatives there. And uh, that you would help them to find an ideal place uh, for their relatives to live. We also pray for Marlena's uh, uh, prayer request too, that uh, you know you would give uh, the people of this congregation a fresh vision, and Lord help us to learn, Lord to uh, have discipline ourselves to staying in Your Word, so that You can speak to us through Your Word, and also Lord God through other means directly. Keep us in that secret place of prayer, and help us to learn to. Be able to get quiet before you, Lord, and feel your presence and your love for each of us. And speak to us, Lord, regarding direction. Pray for uh, Pastor Sandra. Lord, we thank you that uh, you've healed up her uh, mind, Lord, so that she's able to preach again. And, Lord, that you've answered our prayer of raising her up to uh, uh, ministry there in uh, Hurricane at the Hurricane Assemblies of God. And pray that you continue to prosper uh, her in this regard. Bring comfort to her, Lord God, after losing Randy and both of her little dogs last year. Uh, And Lord, I thank you that you've uh, given her a new little dog that's kind of taken some of the slack, Lord God. And so uh, uh, also be with Pastor Sandra, Lord, the pain that she feels. Pray, Lord, that you would... Uh, not be as dependent on the pain medication. And, uh, Lord, we pray for the older folks in this congregation, Lord, uh, for Trevi and Ethan and Pam, Lord, with the uh, things that they uh, uh, are experiencing, Lord God, the digestive issues that they have. For Trevi and Ethan, Lord, that you would... Be with them, Lord, and uh, help their thyroid glands to function normally. Also for Trevi, Lord, as she shared today, Lord, that she, her pancreas is going bad. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bring healing to that in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Pray for Ethan, Lord, that he would be able to breathe well. Help him to keep cool, Lord, with all the heat. And, uh, Lord, I pray for uh, Pam, Lord. For back issues. 
also for uh, uh, their her uh, daughter Cheryl, Lord, if Cheryl is there in the yes. Phoenix area, Lord, uh, with her father, yes, Lord. really uh, suffering uh, from this leukemia. Pray for healing for him. Lord, uh, especially we pray for salvation. Lord, bring uh, healing, <coughs> spiritual healing to him, Lord. Amen. For he knows needs that far more than just the physical healing. Yes. Pray for Sean and Grace, Lord, that you would uh, give them a physical touch. And Lord, uh, take care of their uh, financial needs too. Pray for uh, Sister Donna as she... For traveling mercies as she comes back here from Arkansas. And uh, Lord, uh, bring her also back here uh, to Fredonia, Lord, where it's a little bit cooler than the Phoenix area. We pray for uh, Michael, Lord, with his back and his hips, Lord, to bring healing to those, Lord, and lessen his pain. Lord God, I know that uh, times have been, it's been. So painfully, he hasn't been able to uh, come to work, Lord, but we thank you for bringing him here this morning. Lord, we pray for uh, Dolly's friends, uh, John and uh, Pranam there in uh, Alaska. Lord John, for uh, healing for him with the Alzheimer's that he has. Also, Mary Woodward, too, Lord, with her Alzheimer's. And help them not to be belligerent, Lord, in their home life. And uh, also for John for healing from that stroke. And Pranam, Lord, for uh, uh, strength, Lord God, to do the chores around their home there in Alaska. And uh, also for Dolly's older sister, Peanut. Lord, uh, pray for her, Lord, with the diabetes. And Lord, for all these people, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you bring he, uh, spiritual healing to them. Also, Dolly's friends, Lord, Ma'am and Ruam Dao, Lord, uh, pray for healing for them, Lord, the, the bad situation that they may be in. And Lord, we pray that they might find you before they depart from this life. Pray for these nations we've mentioned, Lord, for the United States. Uh, Lord, uh, pray in Jesus' name, Lord, uh, that you would help us to get back uh, to uh, <clears throat> to you, Lord, after the Christian heritage that we were founded upon. Lord, I know that we didn't follow everything uh, that uh, we should have early in our history, Lord. And uh, Lord, uh, I pray that you'd help us to get back to that because... We're beginning to slide away from you, Lord, and permitting so many things that we should not. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us for our immorality, our sin of abortion, Lord, and uh, the sin of substance abuse, and also, Lord, the rampant crime that's been plaguing our nation. Lord, we just desperately need you. We need a new Jesus movement, Lord, a new Jesus revolution, Lord God, where your Holy Spirit would just move across this nation and bring about that conviction of sin, Lord, and of righteousness and judgment. Speak to our leaders, Lord God, and uh, uh, help them to follow the precepts contained in your word. And Lord, if uh, they refuse to repent, Lord, I pray that they might be replaced by men and women of God that will set us back on the right track again. 
pray for Israel, Lord. We thank you for protecting them from uh, their enemies and giving the, the leaders wisdom on how to deal with those enemies. Pray for Iran, Lord. Uh, we pray that you would replace these ungodly mullahs, Lord, that oppress their people, Lord God, and oppress your people too, Lord, the Christians in Iran. And Lord, bring people into positions of leadership, Lord, that uh, would set that country back on the, uh, uh, the correct course. Pray for Ukraine that you put an end to that ungodly war. Relieve the suffering of the people. Uh, we pray for Dolly's home country of Thailand and Burma, Lord. I pray that you'd put people in positions of leadership, Lord. Thailand had that uh, uh, election well over a month ago, Lord, and they still don't have a prime minister. So, Lord, I pray that you put the man or woman of your own choosing in charge there. And uh, pray for uh, Burma, Lord, that you would replace this ungodly military junta that's oppressing Christians and oppressing their own people and waging war against the Karen tribes people in the uh, eastern part of the country. Protect your people. There's many of your people among the, those Karen tribes people. I've met them before. And so, Lord, protect them from the shelling that they're enduring, Lord. And, uh, Lord, help your church to arise in both countries, Lord God, and uh, be that shining light for uh, their countrymen. Pray for rain, Lord, for this uh, area. Lord, it's gotten very dry and very hot. Lord, I pray that there would be a break in the weather. And, uh, Lord, we're due for the monsoon rains to, to come. So, Lord, I pray that you'd bring them. Lord, uh, bring in the adequate amount of rain, too, and not uh, too much that would cause flooding. Thank you, Jesus, for the way that you're going to answer this prayer, Lord, in your <clears throat> mighty way, Lord. Pray for our family and friends, Lord. Uh, pray for those that are unsaved. And use us, Lord God. Help us to be educated so that we would know how to present the gospel to them, Lord, should they come to us. And, uh, Lord, uh, bring other people into their lives, Lord, that know how to present the gospel in a way to them that they can understand. And we pray for our saved loved ones, too. And uh, help them to stay close to you, Lord. And help us, Lord, to deliver words of encouragement to them, Lord. That the enemy would not attack us through them, Lord. But that they would uh, stay on that straight and narrow path, Lord, that is before them. And finally, Lord, we pray for these unspoken requests. Lord, you saw all the upraised hands. So, Lord, I praise and thank you for meeting those needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And, Lord, as we part company here, pray in Jesus' name that you would give us a good week. And, Lord, uh, that uh, we would... Uh, uh, <clears throat> you would keep us safe, Lord, and bring us back here next week. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. And everyone.